I'm back in the saddle again. Out where a friend is a friend. Jean Lawton traded her career as a New York City casting director for the life of a rancher in South Dakota. Now Jean's out with the photo exhibit, My Ranching Life, which is on display at Fordham's Lincoln Center. Jean's joining me by phone today to discuss her exhibit and her life as a photographer and why she doesn't like to be called a cowgirl. Good morning, Jean. <laughs> That's funny. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm Thank good. you for having me. Well, let's start off. Why don't you like the term cowgirl? Oh, that just, I don't, not that I don't like it. It just kind of has these different meanings to it over the years. Like in the old days, it was the real thing. The women who rode Bronx and rodeoed and back in the 20s. And it is literally correct. But there seems like there's these other meanings to it, like through the 70s and 80s, like fashion or sort of like slutty MTV videos. Or <laughs> So for you, it's like that, that rugged, that woman who was out there, like right along with the guys who was, you know, ranching and riding the horses, et cetera. It is historically correct. Just, I think just growing up, it always had other meanings. And, right. you know, like the old guy I work with, is like, you got to get over that. You're a girl and you have cattle. You're a cowgirl. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll go get over it. So moving it's forward, just, it, it's okay to call you a cowgirl. Yeah, that's fine. It's yeah. just, I think of like it in, in other contexts, but it's fine. <laughs> okay. So how did you decide on a career in ranching, Jean? Well, it kind of just happened, you know, um, I think it was sort of a just a ch- chain reaction of events through my photography, which always kind of leads me to interesting places and to meet interesting people. I sometimes say I'm not really a photographer. I just use photography as this tool to, like, sort of find interesting ways to live life. So, so which, you were starting out for fun, and then it sort of evolved into this business, this career. The photographer. Yeah, it was I mean. kind of fun. It kind of like, well, I'll put my little toe in and I'll kind of see. And, you know, it was like an adventure, but I, you know, I didn't go there with a plan laid out. No, I did not do that. <laughs> so for us city folks, uh, describe what ranching life is like. Like, what's the typical day of a ranch hand? Well, there's, I would say the best description is the different times of year. Like, the most intense time of year is calving time, which for us is like early March. Into, I'm sorry, what'd you in, call it? calving when the cows have their baby calves oh okay. so you're up it's like you know 24 7 whatever happens you have to go with it depending on the weather how dramatic things can get so wait why is calving time so hard the way we calve it's like out in the wide open you know so i ride this big pasture every day like several miles up and across so you're just having to deal with whatever happens on the spot like if there's a mm. calf that you know won't come out or right. we had a year where there's like three feet of snow and you're riding and you're trying to save calves from freezing to death and oh wow bringing them in. We do stuff the old way, so you, like, you know, pull them in on a sled behind the horse. And What's the and, old way uh, compared to the new way? How do, how do they... Well, there's no four-wheelers, you oh, know, okay. which, in, you know, just a, it's an old-time kind of ranch in that respect. The guy I work with, there's just, everything's done on horseback. Okay, as opposed to a truck or, or something. So that's like an intense time of the year where you're kind of always on, and then it turns into branding season in the May, in May into June, where you Get up at 3, saddle your horse in the dark, load up, and go to the neighbors. And the whole crew of neighbors, like, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 30 cowboys work together on the neighboring ranches to brand. So that's a very social time of the year. But mm-hmm. you're, you know, early mornings, but it's fun. So these so are really kind of free range. Yeah. They're free range uh, uh, animals. They're yeah, not pretty like much. In a... We don't mess with them except to uh, brand them when they're, you know, when they're calves the baby calves, and then uh, we give them a shot in the fall because it's kind of just something you kind of have to do when you take them to the sale barn. It just sort of affects the price and everything. So they're out there just kind of on their own and 
don't get bothered too much. What is the ranching for? Is it for them to eventually be food or what's the ultimate goal, I guess? Yeah, it's a cow-calf operation, meaning you're breeding your cows, you're raising calves. Like the calves are born in the spring and then we sell them in November. And then we keep some to build your herd, you know, depending on how much land you have. Mm-hmm. So it's to sell calves, which will either will someone will buy to build their herd or they will become food, yes. Now, Jean, well, ranching seems like a really rugged life to lead. What has been the hardest part for you? Um, I guess the first aspect of learning things, you know, I think it was easier when I was kind of naive. And I think there's been just many stages of ranching where it's like, you know, it was all the first few years, you know, everything's new and it's exciting. And then you just go through, you know, after 10 years or so. For me, it gets a little, the isolation gets a little hard sometimes. Yeah. You know, I miss a little bit of social life. But yeah. I, you know, try to plan to, to go places when it's quiet. But yeah. uh, I think uh, maybe the hardest part was just maybe wanting to, you know, just know how to do everything really fast. But it takes years and years and, and a lifetime. You know, I'll never catch up with the guys I work with. No way. Any major injuries from horse riding or horses at all? Well, I had a runaway. Um, the, uh, oh, like, second year I was there, and uh, that was not good. It was wrangling horses, mm-hmm. and it came around the corner of this arena to kind of take them to the corral, and my horse just took off, like, top speed. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't my horse. It was one of the horses riding that belonged to the ranch, and uh, I could not stop him. No wow. way. I know he ran like a mile and then took a sharp turn and threw me into a cottonwood post and knocked me out. Oh, my. Think, yeah, that kind of messed me up for a while. How did anybody find you? Well, there was someone there that was coming in behind me, uh, wrangling too. So, <laughs> and then I had a horse uh, fall. Oh, I guess it was about three years ago. Just, mm-hmm. but he felt kind of funny that morning. But that morning, but not just a little off, but not lame. And then I just was barely trotting along, and I don't know. I guess he fell, but almost rolled on me and knocked me out. I don't remember. Oh, my, my friends were there, so that was you know. You got knocked out a lot by horses. What makes you keep getting up and getting on them? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't want to. I got a little nervous there after that. I mean, these people I work with have been through so many things that I think it's kind of like when you're photographing something and kind of you're in it, but you're still observing it. You kind of think those things won't happen. Right. <laughs> they won't happen <laughs> but to yeah, you. Yeah, I guess it's part of it. Part of it is getting back on and and doing it. But uh, yeah, you know, I think I was nervous about a year after that one. I, I believe but, so. Uh, takes a while, then you get past it. It's like getting but your it, first car accident, you know, then you, it takes a while before you want to get back in a car. Yeah, and like even the old timer I work with is so tough as nails that, you know, I even went through that. You know what I mean? But yeah. they ride. When they were young, they rode. So, Gene, what's the most important thing a rancher needs to know, or what advice would you give to, you know, an up-and-coming rancher that you might be helping out? Well, I guess the thing with ranching is uh, I think I, I still have to learn, like, you never really you plan, but don't plan too much because everything shifts constantly. You have to be ready to kind of be flexible and shift because the weather dictates so much. And I, I guess I learned you have to really live simply and frugally, which is hard, depending on how big your ranch is, mm-hmm. and kind of make use of what you have and uh, kind of keep it simple. <laughs> you know, we talked a little bit about, like, stereotypes about cowgirls, et cetera. What do you wish people knew about the life of a rancher? I don't know if people understand that this way of life still exists in a way. I mean, I had somebody ask me once, like, I don't know, they saw some pickup truck with a four-wheeler in it in Nebraska. Is that all all the cowboys look like? Like, no, there's still real cowboys, and it's not just here, 
who ride and do everything on horseback. I think people maybe understand that like that way of life still exists, how it looks in the photographs in the 1800s. There's still things done that way. It's like going back in time. And that people are really stewards of the land. They really take care of their animals. I mean, it's like a, you know, preserve. I mean, the, the land is pre- preserved. There's no development. It's like uh it's a it's can be a beautiful way of life. It's not easy all the time, depending on you know what level you're at. What's but, the name uh, of your ranch? Well, I call it by the name of the my friend who has been there for like 55 years, the Quarter Circle XL Ranch. I just call it by his brand. And the brand is a Quarter Circle XL, and then his name is O'Brien. O'Brien. Why are you still doing it the old-fashioned way? Wouldn't it be easier to kind of get a couple of trucks? Well, I mean, things have modernized. You know, he used to always feed with a team. You know, you hook up a team to hay everything. So, you know, that's been modernized. And when it comes to cattle work, you know, I guess we could get a four-wheeler at cabin time or something. But I kind of just respecting uh, his traditions and the way he wants it on his land while I'm leasing it. I just continue to, to do it that way as long as I can because, I don't know, it's just Is just it the more way authentic, it is. you think? Well, it's just... It's just the way it is. It's like the the cowboy real way, I guess. I'm not trying to insult anybody that uses a four-wheeler at all. It's just the way right. it is on that particular ranch. So while I'm working there, I figure just step up to the challenge of doing things that way right. and uh, respect the way he wants it done, you know, even though I'm leasing his land now and managing. But still, you know, he's still there and involved. Right. So, Gene, your exhibit, My Ranching Life, is here at Fordham University. So, how did you get into that? What were some of the challenges of taking these pictures? You're on horseback, you're trying to, you know, birth calves, and you're giving them medicine, and you're branding them, and you're taking care of them, and now you have to stop and take pictures. How did all this to come together? Well, at first, I just want to make sure I say thanks to Stephen Epsell Hitchcock for having the exhibition, and everyone at Fordham. It's a great opportunity to show on the East Coast. And I think for me, um, as I was a you know beginning to be part of the crew, you know, I, I went to the neighbors with the old time cowboys, so that was my in. You decided to work on the ranch before taking the pictures. Taking portraits of people was more my thing, and taking the portraits kind of led me to meeting people, which led to the ranching situation. So as I was ranching and did my first calving season and started helping out and, and branding and getting to feel what it was really like when it became a job. I thought I'd better document this because, you know, you look around, it just looked like it was like going back in time when the whole crew got together. So I figured on the panorama camera would be the best thing, and I just packed it in my saddlebags. And at that point, most of the shots in the exhibition are sort of a one-shot deal. I just grab it, kind of lay it on my arm quick, take a quick shot, and then put it back in. I wasn't really able to plan shots and set them up. And, you know, maybe I'd ride ahead real quick and get something. But they were action but it wasn't shots. Like I was it wasn't like photography was in the forefront so much, but I kind of just captured what was in front of me while I could. Okay, but how did we even get here? You're here in New York City. You're a casting director. You're, you know, picking who the right model or who the right actress is for this play or this, you know, magazine. How do you go from going, hmm, I, you know, I'm wearing my heels in, in, in Manhattan to I think I want to put on some boots and go to South Dakota. How did you even get there? I never wore heels, but maybe to a wedding. But anyway, I grew up in Iowa in the Midwest in a farming community. My background is farming and my family, even though I didn't live on a farm as a kid, but that's sort of my heritage. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. So maybe I was trying to sort of recreate the past, but in a grander way. Uh I lived in New York City, casting director, mostly for print advertising. And in the summers and the mid-90s, I started just kind of teaching myself photography and 
heading out west and taking photos. I got an old car and kind of started driving around. I don't know, I was passing through. I think I had some romantic idea of, like, you know, the photographers from the old days who I admire that I would document the area. You know, wow. I just, yeah, I, I found my diary for my first time I was here the other day when I was cleaning up my studio, and it was just, like, so, like, wow, you know, I'm so in love with everything. Right. And, uh, you know, after living in the city, the physicality of it got to be a bit grueling. You know, I did grow up in the Midwest, so I feel like I kind of went back home but beyond to something bigger because I was totally different. It's very organized and perfect and everything's mm-hmm. fenced off. And so it just kind of was a sequence of events, I guess, and maybe just looking for like a just like a little adventure. Yeah, and you got it. <laughs> you yeah, did. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the people that you met on this adventure is Lyle O'Brien. Who is Lyle O'Brien to you? Well, Lyle O'Brien um, is the old-time cowboy. I think I had met his daughter, had made a tooled leather portfolio for me while I was still living in New York, and I visited them when I was out here. And I think I just said, like, God, I really want to photograph, like, the old – I was looking for the old things, the old people, the old remaining Americana. I said, I kind of want to photograph the old-time cowboys. because well, you should probably photograph my dad. And so that turned into, you know, doing a portrait and turned into – Oh, meeting um, his neighbor who I had photographed way back in the 90s, but didn't really know, who's now one of my good friends, Baxter Baduri, and, uh, you know, being asked to come along to move cattle to, you know, Lyle's on his own. He's an old-time cowboy. He has a lot of great stories. Do you have a favorite Lyle O'Brien story? Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So many, it's of so many different categories. Okay, when I first learned to rope, he's like, "Okay, you got to rope all the calves this year." You know, instead of having a whole crew, that way you learn to rope. That was kind of interesting. And uh, so, what's it like doing it by yourself as opposed to how many people are usually in a crew? Oh, like fifteen to twenty-five <laughs> or thirty. So you had to do the work of fifteen to twenty-five people. Well, yeah, it depends on the ranch, you know, on how many calves. But it was just. It took a long time, let's just put it that way. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And I guess for Lyle, it's just the best story about Lyle is I guess they're all of his stories that he tells about his days of working on the big ranch, you know, down the road with real old-time cowboys who were older than him. And, you know, when they did the gathering with the chuck wagon and a crew and there was no horse trailers and everything was done, you know, you'd go out and, feed cattle 30 below weather on horseback by yourself on a bronc and you know just the stories of how, what it was when it was really rugged i know there's so many stories what that, old-timey you know, songs did he sing oh gosh um the classics but uh yeah he plays his harmonica i mean when i first started <laughs> working there i i was in a like a log bunkhouse room with you know no running water and a, like a w- tiny wood stove and no computer, no TV, and I kind of miss those days. I'm kind of picturing, like, Little House on the Prairie, for lack of a better visual. <laughs> yeah, but in ranching, not farming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, but like... I it, don't wear a bonnet. Like, they're one cabin, you know, and... <laughs> I'm never going to wear a bonnet, I can tell you that. <laughs> no heels, no yeah. bonnet for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did Lyle do to inspire you or teach you? What was a lesson that maybe he taught you? I guess sticking with it, you know, not giving up. I mean, he does kind of make things hard. Sometimes he likes to, you know, do things a simple way, but... Uh, Sometimes the simple it, way is the hard way? Why, well, yeah, I guess. 
Then there's certain little, you know, technical things you'll learn about a horse or how to hold your rein. He's into the horses and, and training. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon talking with rancher and photographer Gene Lawton, whose photo exhibit, My Ranching Life, is on display at Fordham's Lincoln Center. Gene, before the exhibit, My Ranching Life, you photographed glimpses of disappearing Americana. How did that journey start? When I was living in New York, I bought an old Impala, which was great, for like $500 back in the 90s. And I just, I really love, you know, everything that's old and the history of it. And I just decided to take a road trip. I think I was in between, like, a job right before I started freelance casting, between doing production for a company and then going on on my own. I thought I'd take advantage of the free time. And so I just went across country and, and started uh you know, kind of photographing the typical things. But it just was a way to kind of look around and get a feel for it. it well, just, what's typical? What do you consider typical? Well, I started out with just like, you know, old signage or disappearing little architectural things. And then it turned into uh, photographing people with my Go West series, which came a couple years later, which was actually confronting people, which is a big deal for me. Putting them in front of a backdrop. What do you mean confronting people? Well, I mean, you know, Pulling him out of a crowd behind the scenes at a rodeo, maybe confronting is the wrong word, like approaching people right. to, you know, instead of photographing people from behind or walking away or from a distance, I actually decided to start doing, you know, portraits one-on-one. And I really enjoyed that series, the Go West series, like kind of planning out rodeos, going behind the scenes or reenactments, setting up my backdrop, like had a little mini movie set and kind of just doing portraits of people. In their, you know, rodeo gear, which is completely different than ranching, but it was, you know, it was a little more comical but colorful and fun. I really enjoyed that series. And then from there, I kind of met a lot of old-time country western singers like Jimmy Dickens and Kitty Wells and and just kind of went in search of those people to document as many as I could while they were still around. You know, I didn't get everybody, but I met a lot of great people. Yeah. And then just people kind of in costume in ways like circus or reenactors and... uh you also had the opportunity to get to know one of the first rodeo cowboys, Gerald Roberts. I was reading about him, and it said he was a stuntman who worked on like television westerns like Gunsmoke and Maverick and Renton 10. So how did you come to know Gerald Roberts, and what picture did you take of him? How did you set that up? Yeah, that's the part of, I think, the whole serendipitous, whether I love that word or not, but a chain of events that led me to interesting things in life, which finally led me to the ranch. Is like when I would come home in the summers to Iowa before we'd go out west to take my photos for my Go West series. You know, I'd visit my grandma on her farm, which, you know, just who just passed away after being on a farm for like 73 years in the same house. So it was like a museum. So I'd go in there and dig through old photographs and look at old things and tell, you know, have her tell stories. And I was looking through a suitcase of photographs of my great-grandmother who lived in Iowa and photographed rodeos, you know, for for a hobby. And there was a newspaper clipping of Gerald Roberts. And I thought, God, I wonder if he's still around. Oh, I guess it was late 90s. And he took a little searching, and then he was. And he lived in Kansas. And so I decided to visit him, you know, on the way back up to Iowa and off back to New York. And, uh, God, what a nice guy. I mean, he... he uh, How did it go? Did you just, like, pick up the phone and say, Hi, Gerald, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, that's the best way to do it. Just pick up the phone. I met so many great people back, you know, before the Internet and Google and searching people out. You just found them, and you're just like, Yeah, come on down, you know? And so... Uh, he was just so nice, and he had rodeoed with uh, Casey Tibbs, who's a big-time champion from South Dakota. I think he was world champion six or seven times. Sorry if I don't have my facts straight. but mm-hmm. uh, So he had all these old photos in his house, and he told stories of, you know, riding and 
Madison Square Garden back in the day, and and uh, and I was shocked to find out that Madison Square Garden had like rodeos. Oh my God, it's gorgeous! <laughs> I mean, it was over the top. Everyone was decked out. Like he would talk about, you know, walking down the streets in New York. Everyone just dressed perfectly, and I just can't imagine stumbling upon something like that. Do you have a favorite picture or place from your Go West series? For the first time I photographed was in Pinedale, Wyoming. It was like the first time I really approached people and did the portraits, and it was just a great event. Everyone was really, uh, between the rodeo guys, and they had a reenactment of people sort of reenacting, you know, like uh, mountain men and old Native American traditions. Wow. I had, it, was just, it was like being in central casting. It was fantastic. I love that stuff. And kind of does it. I mean, the, I love my ranching series. It's just seen, it's a little more documentary and straightforward, uh-huh. and I'm, I love it, but I I love that playful kind of, you know, sort of being on a movie set. People kind of in costume, but they're in their real gear that they really wear. You know, it's not anything, nothing's contrived. It's just sort of having them step in front of the backdrop. It's totally authentic. It really transforms them. Yeah, completely authentic. I mean, I've never, with the Western stuff, you know, like had somebody, you know, here, put this on if they never really wore it, you know? Yeah. And you spent time also photographing and traveling to document your country Western Legends series. Right. How did you get into that? Uh, Who did you meet while doing that? Oh, my God, I had a blast. I picked (laughs) up the phone. I picked up the phone when things were more, and I called the guy at the Opry. The Grand Old Opry? Yeah. And and I said, can I put up a backdrop backstage? Yeah, come on down. I mean, I guess things have changed since then. But uh, I don't know why or how they let me do that. But, oh, my God. But it, other than that, too, being at the Grand Old Opry, which was fantastic, I can't believe it. Yeah, I heard it was I, beautiful. I mean, it was just great. You know, like a little Jimmy Dickens was there in his dressing room, and Porter Wagner, and um, Jim and Jesse, and, you know, but other than that, I would ca- call people, and like Kitty Wells and Johnny Wright, I called them and met them at a fair, like in in Wyoming somewhere. You know, it's like they're still doing those simple shows. And then I called uh, Rosalie Allen, which was really great. She was one of the first women DJs in country music. She had an off uh, radio station in the Brill Building. She would talk about, you know, being in the Brill Building and, like, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra being there, <laughs> making fun of her, like, making, like, you know, cattle and pig noises. Of course, then they all did their own country records later. But she was, I met her in her house in California, and she was just so sweet. You know, she's older, but... It was just so nice that they let me come in and visit and, and you know, tell stories. I mean, a lot of people are gone now. But, yeah. uh, you know, I went down into Texas trying to find some of the Bob Wills guys and met one of the first drummers that ever played at the Opry and, and Merle Haggard and that kind of a little more modern stuff, too. But uh, it was really, everyone was so friendly. Who I didn't was... get to photograph everybody. I know I tried to photograph Loretta and stuff, but I couldn't. It's just Loretta harder. Lynn? Yeah, I, wow. I wasn't able to do that. I tried. Yeah. But uh, he's doing great. Who but, was the um? Who who would you say was like the easiest to photograph, and who would you say might be a little challenging? Like, can you? Give me oh, you mean in that, that specific in that, series? Yeah, in that specific country western legends oh, God, series that you Jimmy did. Little Jimmy Dickens. He was so nice. <laughs> he was just so nice, and he was dressed so perfect. And then, how was he dressed? He had, Describe it to me. Well, he had like his the, one of his suits on, like a nudie suit kind of suit with all this sparkles and rhinestones i had like a roulette wheel on the back i think and all the stuff up the legs and little white boots and of course he's so little and his big hat and he's like 
Well, so I came all the way back to where my backdrop was set up. Like, God, how nice, you know? And then I was like, oh, you don't have your guitar. So he sent me to the dressing room at the front of the theater to get this, like, beautiful guitar that's just, He's had forever. Oh my God, I was a nervous wreck carrying that back. Oh wow! Yeah, you but don't want to drop so that one. Sweet. He was so nice and accommodating. Most everybody was, you know. I mean, oh, I photographed Merle Haggard. He wasn't dressed real great. Kind of had a sleeveless shirt on, a hat, and I just kind of took a pretty straightforward shot. But he was nice about it. You know, yeah. he helps being a girl when you're taking photographs of those kind of guys. <laughs> <laughs> Did <laughs> you? It's an asset. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did they get a little flirty, Jean? Did they get a little flirty? <laughs> No, but it just, I had a friend with me that did. <laughs> I was like, okay, get it under control here. But um, some people were a little older and just, you know, you didn't want to take too much time. And, uh, you know, there's a difference. You know, photographing people when they're old, I just love meeting them. I know it's not the same as photographing someone when they're in their peak, but to me it's just that same thing I always repeat. It's like working with Lyle and meeting those people. It's like going back in time. You're kind of in this sort of area between the past and present. It's just sort of, you know. I don't know, get a sense of it. It sounds like you really enjoy the company of older people. Is the, Why? Is there certain, certain wisdom you like to get from them or experience, you know, information? What about Yeah, it must be. I thought about it the other day. It always seems like if I'm out photographing, like some old-timer always wants to grab my hand and talk to me if I take their pictures. They seem really relaxed around me. And uh, for me, I think it's just, I don't know, maybe I don't like the present. <laughs> I don't know what it is if you want to get psychological, but it's sort of like, I guess I just like that feeling of, you know, like when you see a snippet of like a home movie and like maybe you're in the background or somehow you can kind of go through that little slice of time and time travel back yeah. there. Maybe it's just a way of like trying to still feel what it was like in the past or whatever. And I, I guess they... I mean, they do have a lot of wisdom, whether it, you know, coincides with how I think or not, but... Right. Time travel with Gene Lawton. That's your next. Uh, that's your next series. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think I already did it. Maybe I should come back to the present someday again. <laughs> Before it's too late. <laughs> so you lived in New York for a few years, and New Yorkers are famous. I hear this all the time. They're famous for saying, "This is the best city on earth." Well, for you, Gene, what does the Midwest offer that you just can't get here in New York City? Well, I have to say. Um, there is no city like New York. I was there 16 years through a lot of different changes, and that's, I think, why I ended up in the West, in the middle of nowhere, to the ultimate extreme in a town of 69 people is because I just could not stomach another American city. But I think I'm getting better. at. Well, wait, what can't you stomach about them? The whole strip mall and the sprawl and the everything being, like, homogenized. There's nothing like being outside and, like, the sky and, like, seeing a storm roll in, like, eagles flying overhead. Just the little things you notice that you may never notice when you're totally immersed in city life and all the, you know, distractions and, and, like, at night and the stargazing and just uh, riding a horse alone, you know, like, for miles and miles. And it's nothing like it. You can't really, you know, recreate that or simulate it. Is there anything you miss about New York? Yeah, the food. Oh, my God. I can't even get into that conversation. The food is horrendous out here. Sorry. Hello. Sorry. No mean to insult anybody, but the food. You know what I really missed about New York is the, uh, you know, being able to just, like, disappear into, you know, anonymity. I really miss that. Small town living is kind of exhausting. Because everybody knows you. Well, I moved away from that stuff, like, at top speed, and then why am I back to, like, an even more (laughs) intense version of it? But uh, (laughs) I kind of live in my own little world. But, yeah, I miss the food, 
anonymity and, of course, you know, just the mixture of people. Yeah, different and, people. And uh, a mixture of, like, viewpoints and uh, I guess a lot of stuff. But, you know, it just, uh, I did it. I'll, you know, I still go back there. Right, you but had the experience, but. Yeah, and it's kind of nice to visit and really just, like, I go to, like, you know, 50 movies and shows in a week and then leave. <laughs> like, really do it. Because when you're there, you take it, I took it for granted when I lived there. Yeah. You know, but I did have a lot of great experiences in New York. I mean, there's nothing like it. There's yeah. no city in the United States that compares. No way. <laughs> and you and you are coming back, though. You're coming back for a, a talk about your photo exhibit, My Ranching Life, correct? Yes, I'm going to give a talk on uh, September 23rd from 6 to 8 at the gallery. What do you prefer if you had to only choose one, ranching or photography? Well, right now it's ranching. Yeah. Um, well, you know, while I can do it, because I know it's not going to last forever. But I enjoyed photography and the aspect of searching out old photos also and the whole history of it. But right now, I just, I would give up photography before ranching right now because I'm kind of soaking it up. What experience or impression, Jean, do you hope people who see your photographs will walk away with? The exhibition is mostly large panorama prints that were photographed from horseback. And I hope they can sort of get immersed in them a bit and Maybe it takes them away a little bit from the city life for a minute, and they see that, you know, that it's really real and it's really happening. And it's uh, not something in uh, a you know 1920s picture book. It's actually happening now. Yeah, that it's that you look at the date and it's you know recent, and that uh, all the you know Western heritage and the cowboying that goes on and uh, the pride people take in it. So I hope you know they can kind of you know maybe get a little escape too. You know. My Ranching Life by Gene Lawton is on display at the El Deco Butler Gallery on Fordham's Lincoln Center campus through Wednesday, September 30th. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. I want-